Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Today we are discussing episode number 13 of the first season, The Second David Job. Mmm. Beth, what did you think? We've made it to the end. Okay. Of the first season. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> A little bit behind the curtain for all of you. Oof. We missed recording last week because we were working on our other podcast and I forgot that this was a part two of this. So I started this episode and I was like, what is happening? Because <laughs> I completely forgot how the last episode ended. <laughs> anyway, so I was really thrown in the deep end, yep. but I did remember after about 10 seconds, I was like, oh, right, right. Mm. Excellent. I remember what's happening They've just now. been beaten. They've all split up. They're mm-hmm. all kind of like seething under the collar because they've been beaten by fucking Sterling. Mm-hmm. Which, okay. They just had to blow up the office. Can I just quickly make a point? So the fact that Sterling is now the vice president. Yeah. As soon as that happened, all I could think about was that, like, bit in Hamilton. But all I could think of was, like, Sterling's the vice president. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> sitting in my head. <laughs> and I'm so sorry, I live my mom, Miranda. I'm just butchering your work. But <laughs> literally, I was just, like, it's all I could think about. I don't know. This, this episode, I really liked it. But I'm going to, like, jump right to the end. I didn't like the end like, yeah. I don't like how it ended off. Mm-hmm. It just, like, my note is just, I hate the ending. <laughs> just, like, the bit where they're all... Like, I, you said to me before that leverage doesn't end on cliffhangers. Yeah. Because in case they don't get renewed, mm-hmm. they'd want it to be a satisfying ending. Yeah. If this had been the ending of the show, I would have fucking been furious. Because it's a, like, for me, it's a really unsatisfactory ending. To this, not to this, not to a season necessarily, yeah. because I know that there is another season. But if I, in had, fact, there's like five more seasons. Exactly, but soon if, to be seven, but, soon to be six. But if I had come to this and thought that there was a chance that this was going to be the end of the series, yeah, I would have been livid because it's really unsatisfactory. Like it ends in obviously a mirror to the way that the pilot episode ends, with yeah. all of them going their separate ways. But in this instance. Like, they didn't really want to at the end of the pilot, but now they really don't want to. And they're all visibly upset about it, and no one is happy, and they know that, you know, they would rather be working together. But, like, it, it like, ends on, like, the close-up of them crying, and I'm like, what? How? What? I, I also think if this is how it ended, it, it's a very bittersweet ending, I think. Like, because it's sort of... They're going their separate ways, but it's on their own terms, but also, it's like, there is literally a quote in this episode earlier from Elliot, and he mm-hmm. goes, I was just getting used to it. And they go, what, having an office? He's like, no, working as part of a team. Yeah, actually, Elliot is really interesting this episode. Oh, yeah. I have lots of thoughts about Elliot in this episode. Me too. I have so many. Do um, we want to jump straight into there? Or? I think so. Yeah. Um, I very, very quickly want to say that I, I really love Elliot as a character, but this episode I was particularly... <laughs> I was particularly enamored yeah. with him because I think that his whole mood is such a vibe. Yeah. Um, and I did also realize and laugh at myself partway through the episode because I realized that he was acting like Dean, dressed like Cass, with hair like Sam. And <laughs> then no, Dean... not hair like Sam. He wears his hair back for most of this episode. Not in the part where he's got the white button down and the loose and blue tie. He doesn't. <laughs> So, and that's when he's been particularly moody. Um, and I just, I really, really loved Elliot in this episode, particularly 
uh, a couple of the interactions he has with Sophie. Yeah. Because I think that he is valid in his anger. Yeah. And I think that he is handling it in a way where he is being assertive about it. Yeah. Like, he's not being necessarily, like, rude. He's not, like, necessarily trying to pick an argument. But he's also like, no, I'm not letting this go. You don't get to just... I'm not forgiving and forgetting. Like, yeah, I'm... exactly. And I think that the way that he handles it is really, like, nice. Mm. Um, particularly, I wrote down a couple of quotes... Him saying, you don't con your crew. Yeah. Like, I loved that. First of all, because it's just a cool line. Yeah. Um, but second of all, because I was like, yeah, that's the crux of it. Like, that's the problem. If she had just been open with them and said, hey, like, I really, like, this is like a personal vendetta for me, but I also think two birds, one stone, you know? Yeah. Then they would have been like, oh, sounds amazing. Yeah. But the fact that she didn't. And they didn't, could have planned for that. Exactly. But the fact that she didn't do that, the fact mm. that she was like, oh, I just won't. I'll just neglect to mention that this is like a thing that I want to do personally. Yeah. Like that's the problem. The fact that she betrayed their trust and in that tricked sense. them basically into pulling off a bigger job and riskier con for her own benefit. Yeah, and it's she treated them no better than they would she would treat a mark. Yeah. Basically. And so I think he's absolutely justified mm-hmm. in his feelings of like betrayal. And then I also think it's really interesting because this is, I think, one of the first really prominent uses we see of Elliot using anger as sort of like a front, as a trick to be able to emotionally manipulate people. Because mm. if you look at him when Sophie comes and tries to apologise, he goes, why am I last? Yeah. But which... the moment that she's like, no, I just want to know, he switches it off. Like mm-hmm. it is not... He does this a lot, and um, I think it's one of the really interesting things between the dynamic of, like, him and Nate, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of instances of sort of Elliot playing this anger, this out-of-control, to make him look sort of, like, out-of-control yeah. and unhinged and, like, he's going to do anything. And then you get the really nice contrast with Nate, who is sort of, like, calm and rational and in control. But he's fucking insane. But he's fucking insane. <laughs> and, like... I think it's really interesting that even, like, here they show, like, no, for Elliot, he's constantly in control. Oh, yeah. He, like, this is a choice. Like, he is not, he's not just pissed and lashing out. This is a choice Mm -hmm. so that Sophie can realise. Yeah, it's tactical. He's a very tactical character. Mm. And And I think that's really interesting because in another worse show, he is just. (laughs) Supernatural. (laughs) He is just, you know, volatile and emotional. Like, I think what's interesting is that he gets her to continuously say, like, I'm not apologizing. That's not, I'm not apologizing. And then he makes the point that, like, that's the problem. Like, we know you're not apologizing, Sophie. We know that. That's why we're, like, or not why, but it's part of why we're still mad. Because you should be apologising. You did something wrong. Because the issue is not just that she wasn't honest and open with them in the first place. The issue is now in the aftermath, she's still not being open and honest with them. She's still trying to beat around the bush. She's still trying to... She's not being open and honest with herself. She's still trying to convince them and con them Mm -hmm. into forgiving her without actually acknowledging... The issues that is the reason they haven't forgiven her. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so I really loved their interactions this episode. It felt 
this episode felt more genuine in yeah. a lot of ways. I feel like a lot of the episodes this first season have felt like corny or cheesy mm. at least in some regard in a way that I generally just personally don't yeah. love. It's not it's not a, something in media that I enjoy. Yeah. It's like that cheesy corny kind of yeah scenario. But this one felt more genuine across yeah. the board of the episode. All the interactions felt genuine and felt like heartfelt. Yeah. And like all of the like lighthearted bits I felt like hit really well. All of the emotional bits hit well, except for, I swear to God, that fucking flashback. <laughs> what gets me though is I love Maggie's portion of it. When they're focused yeah. on Maggie and she's just standing there like sobbing. Mm-hmm. Oh god damn that shit hits hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it the thing is because you have Maggie there. Yeah. And Maggie's like this distraught, like picture of grief. Like it's yeah. heart wrenching. Yeah. Then you look at the what the fuck Nate's doing and you're Nate like Nate is like screaming, he's throwing himself into the room, he's pulling the medical professionals away from the child that they're trying to save and like i get that he's like flatlined or whatever but they're still trying to resuscitate him and he's like get away from my son i'm like nate that is the least helpful thing you could have done you fucking idiot the fact that they were surely they like surely realistically they would not have been allowed to see this right or they would have been kept out the room at the very least yeah like they there is no way in hell nate would have been allowed in that room no because of like sterilization and all of like fucking and just the fact that he's getting in their fucking way like they're trying to do literally life-saving work and you're like i know what'll help i will just grab my child and hold them to my chest so that you can't access the part of the body that you need to access to help them not die even within this set they could have done Nate's flashback scene better. Like, they could have just had him outside. Like, they had Maggie outside. And he's just, like, beating on the window, like... And, like, just slowly, like, fade from, like, screaming and, like, oh, no, like, I... You, to, like, sort of that that resigned defeat. I honestly, You know, like... Honestly, I... The thing... One of the things that really pisses me off about this flashback, and it has the whole time, but I don't know if I've actually specifically covered it. The thing that pisses me off is that... He is, like, I understand that he's so distraught. I understand that. Yeah. But I just wish that he wasn't having the response that he was having in the space, space that he's having. the medical professional. Yeah. Because I'm like, this is not, like, I would understand if he was, like, given the news and then he just storms at, like, down a corridor and just goes outside and just, like, into a garden and just screams. Like, I would yeah. understand that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he is beating on the fucking glass. No, he's not. these people are trying to, That's the like, issue. He's not just beating on the glass. He's fucking, like, pushing them out of the way and shit. No, no, no. I'm not talking about this episode particularly. Okay. Just in the flashbacks across yeah. the board. Having him beating on the glass. Having him screaming. Having him, yeah, break into the fucking, like, operating yeah. room. I'm like, this is... So, like, I hate Nate. I'm so yeah. sorry. I hate him. I understand that this is, like, a hugely traumatic situation. But he's just, as a character, just so fucking unlikable. Yeah. Like, because, like, what is he doing? What yeah. is he doing? Like, he should not have been allowed to see whatever was happening in that room. Because he's obviously not in an emotionally stable place that he can let these people do their fucking jobs. Yeah. 
unimpeded. Yeah. Like he is actually like a health safety risk yeah. in this setting. Someone needs to be with him to make sure that he is safe and stable. Because like, anyway, my point is I just, I really, really dislike those flashback scenes. I think this version of the flashback scene makes it worse as well. Yeah. Like, because as much as I love Maggie in this flashback scene, and I think Maggie is definitely the best part of this flashback scene, having someone like Maggie who... The acting is fantastic. Like, the actress who plays Maggie did a phenomenal mm-hmm. job in this flashback scene. And then it just makes, like, it we, makes we it knew like Nate's even more acting was more on than by comparison. Yeah, we knew Nate's acting was bad, but it makes the acting look even worse to have it directly contrasted against this, like, heart-wrenching portrayal of it's, grief. It's like, literally just, like, minimalism mm. versus maximalism. Mm, yeah. And it's like, one is way more effective than the other, and it's not the maximum. Like, I, I just, yeah, yeah, I really disliked it. I really disliked it. And I, I think, though, moving forward, we don't see it again. Oh, God. I like, I think we see flashes of it, but we don't see, like, the full flashback again. Good, because it's really frustrating because <laughs> I want to be upset yeah. in that scene. Like, I, I want to care. But it sort of seems have like had his traumatic yeah. loss. But I am so annoyed by his... Complete disregard for the people who are trying to save his son. He's just in, like, his lack of, and I, I don't mean to sound, like, I, I really don't mean to sound insensitive because I can't possibly imagine what it is to lose a child. But his just absolute lack of social awareness, like, yeah. his lack of composure. Yeah. And, like, like I said, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but just, like, you're not helping. Yeah. And someone, like... If they were going to have him react in that way, there should have been another medical professional there to help remove him from that situation. Yeah. Because what he is doing would never, ever, ever, ever fly in a... Like, no. I'm sorry. No. And, like, the scene makes more sense if instead, like, you either tone down his reaction... And have it, like, flatline and then be, like, we call the time of death and walk in and just, like, sobbing and, like, try to, like, hold the, like, hold his son or whatever yeah. after they've already called it. They could have had someone come out and just be like, I'm so sorry. There's nothing more we can do. Do you want to come and or say like, goodbye? Or, like, if, yeah, they, they fully removed him from the situation and put him, like, outside in the garden screaming and raging or, yeah. like. Yeah. Like, if, if later we had, if. We had just seen but it's him just in like shock back in the hospital yeah. and then you later have a scene where he's like gone home and he's in his backyard or something or he's just like out in the car park of the hospital and then he has yeah. the breakdown. I, so much less annoying. Yeah. But it's just like he, they, he does it in the, the – like that's the thing. Here's the thing. Again, I think it would have been probably not great but still way better if they just kept him in the little glass viewing box. Mm. But the thing is, he doesn't just do that. He opens the door and fucking storms in, pushes a medical professional out of the way. Yeah, and then grabs. And then grabs. And it's, it just, yeah. And, like, you contrast it against Maggie and it's like, oh, wow, no, this is overacting to, like, a hundred. Yeah. Like, this is, it's worse. Anyway, we need to move on from the flashback scene, I think. To be fair, you can't just blame the acting because he wouldn't have just decided to no. do that as an actor. That yeah. would have been scripted. It would yeah. have been choreographed. It would have been directed. Yeah. Like, I just think it was a fucking poor choice all around. Like, g- generally speaking, I'm not the kind of person to notice, like, direction and stuff that much. Like, you technically, like, usually you're the kind of person yeah. who picks up on that. This flashback scene has pissed me off from day dot. 
It's the just, lighting's I feel bad, like the way they frame it's I bad. I just feel the acting's every, bad, the writing's bad. I, I just think every aspect yeah. of it was just a bad idea. Yeah. I Personally, like, I'm sure there's someone out there who loves it and I feel bad because, like, obviously the people who created it were probably really happy with it, but I just personally think it's shit. <laughs> like, I just... Yeah. I have no good things to say about that flashback scene at any point. As soon series. as you assault a medical professional, like, you lose all sympathy. And, like, the whole point of the flashback is that you gain sympathy for Nate and what he's gone through. Yeah. But, unfortunately, it also shows him assaulting a medical professional and, like, nah. Nah, mate. That ain't it. Okay, look, we got to move on. We all know that you hate the flashback scene, but if we don't move on, we will just talk about this for the next 40 minutes. Okay. What uh, would you prefer to talk about? Oh, I want to talk about... The scene where they're all first casing the museum, right oh, at the beginning yeah. of the episode, because it is one of my favourite scenes in Leverage of all time. Yeah. And the whisper bickering and like, what are you doing? No, what are you doing? I was here first. And then, of course, like, because they don't live in a bubble. Yeah. Maggie notices Sophie. Yeah. And she's like, oh, hey, like, I know you. Like, because she's obviously only ever met Sophia's Portia before. Yeah. Like, she only knew her for, like, three days. Mm-hmm. And then, like, never saw Sophie again. So she sort of vaguely recognises Sophie. And Sophie's like, oh, fuck. I'm going to try and hide. And then she's like, oh, can I help you? Like, wait. And she's like, no, I don't speak English. <laughs> and then in Spanish. And then Maggie's like, responds in Spanish. She's like, <laughs> of course she bloody speaks Spanish. <laughs> Because Maggie is too good for everyone. Literally. I fucking love Maggie. Um, But quickly, before we touch on that, I do want to say, I feel like... So the part... First of all, I just want to quickly point out that Sophie's hat is fucking Nate-coded, and I hate that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But when she is, like, casing the the gallery, and she goes in, she's on the phone, and she's pretending to la-la-la-la-la, and... Now I'll fix them something to eat when I get home. I have a question for you. Yeah. Wouldn't you find it more suspicious if you saw someone on the phone who then stopped talking mid-conversation, took a sneaky picture, and then went back to talking on the phone? Like, isn't that more suspicious than just, like, taking a sneaky photo? I think... Like, she's drawing attention to the phone. I think, actually, she may be drawing attention to the phone, but she's drawing attention away from her. Because... Typically when I'm in public, if I hear someone talking to someone else on the phone or whatever, like, I want to give them privacy. Like, I'm not trying to eavesdrop on that conversation. So, I think... We're not the same people. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> I think by sort of, like, talking on the phone, she's, like, tr- sort of trying to, like, blend in more with the crowd. So, she doesn't look like she's just walking around having, like... Yeah. Having a gander. I guess so, but also she is in an art gallery. Like, having a walk but around and having a gander is kind of the point. She's in an incomplete section of the art gallery. There's no art there. I mean, I guess. It's under construction, like, sort I, of thing. Like, they're putting all the security in shit I guess what what surprised me was, like, when she was on the phone, like, pretending to have a conversation. The I, picture is, yeah. I was like, that's fine and dandy. Yeah. When she takes the phone away from her ear. I assumed that was supposed to be like, oh, we've ended the conversation. And then I'm like, well, then it makes sense for her to have her phone out, still looking at it and touching it because, like, she's, like, ending the call or, like, checking a text or something. That makes sense. But then when she put it back Back to her ear, I was like, you just completely ruined the whole... The illusion. Yeah. I'm like, you should have just been like, okay, love, I'll see you when we get home. And then, like, pretending to, like, hang up or check something and then taking the photo and then putting your phone down. Like, putting it back to your ear just feels weird. Or at least, like, sound like you're starting a different conversation. 
Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not continuing one that you've just yeah. randomly stopped having. Like, mm. and I don't know. Like, I I don't try to listen in on other people's conversations in public, but I really struggle, especially if someone is speaking loudly in my periphery. Like periphery, I find it really difficult to not like to block it out. Mm. Like, I really struggle. If I'm at work and someone is talking to me to my face, but someone else is having a conversation across the room, I really, really struggle to hear what is being said directly to my face. Like, because, or like if a phone is ringing or like there's music and it's like too distracting, like I've had to like go across the room at work before and be like, I'm so sorry, go or leave the conversation, turn down the music and then come back and be like, okay, now I can hear you properly because it's just too distracting. Oh, so, so it's like when I'm at work and I take a phone call and somebody has their screaming kids in the background. Kind of, yeah. But it's just I, I find that sometimes I end up really struggling to focus on whatever is being said to my face because I'm so in, – not intentionally but like – focused on what is happening to like my right or something like it's really frustrating it's very actually inconvenient in a working environment but (laughs) so I think that personally for me that maybe is why I think it's so weird that she would choose to be on the phone because I'm like I would be paying more attention to you Mm. if I could hear you speaking particularly loudly in a public space particularly in a space where maybe being on a phone call is not actually socially appropriate Mm. like taking a call in a museum is probably not something that I personally would deem like socially appropriate. It's like taking a call on like public transport or something or in a doctor's office. Like that's not the space for you to be having conversations, you know, generally Mm. speaking. I don't know if other people have had different experience, but where we are, I feel like generally social norm dictates that if you were in a place that's supposed to be like relatively quiet, you don't take personal calls. You you know, you step out of the room or you you mess say, oh, so sorry, I'll call you back later. I'm at the doctor's and you hang up, you know. Mm. So I just personally, I was like, mm, seemed like a weird choice. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I I didn't think it was that bad. Maybe I've just got a higher tolerance for where I find phone calls weird. <laughs> While we're talking of that scene, though. Yes. The way Elliot flips Hardison. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the way that... I really like that even though they're kind of all pissed at each other in, like, a way... Or, like, they've agreed to split up. They are still, like, their instinct is to still, like, work together. Yeah. Like, I love that the way that Nate gets them to stop arguing when they're back at Hardison's. Hardison's fucking lay low house? Yeah. Dude. I I am a sucker for both hardwood and a dual staircase. And let me tell you, oh, I was was not paying attention to anything else happening in that scene. I was just looking at that staircase like, damn. (laughs) So then you must have really liked the, like... 30-second scene we got where, like, you've got Elliot, Hardison, and Parker right next to the staircase, and Elliot's just going, I feel used. Mm. It's so, like, the framing of it as well is so beautiful. Like, because especially um, when Nate and Maggie are arguing, like, towards the back of the shot, and so you've got this, like, beautiful framing of them, like, having this argument. I really loved it. I thought it was lovely. Um, But, yes, no, they're (laughs) – I like that they – when they find out that they're all in this situation, instead of, like, trying to turn each other in to, yeah. like, as... Because you could. You could be like, yeah. oh, like, as a diversion to get myself out, I would throw, throw them under the bus. bus. Yeah. But they were like, no, no, like, let's all get out. Yeah. And I liked that. And then I liked that Nate fixed their, like, bickering yeah. by being like, all right, well, here's the map. And then immediately all of them just fall back into that pattern of, like, instinctually trying to solve the problem together. Yeah. And I just... I really loved that dynamic. I thought it was so... It, like I said before, it felt really genuine, you know? Mm. It's like a puzzle piece clicking into place. 
while we're talking about that scene, though, we should maybe discuss their reasons for coming back to a job that's, like, actually considerably risky for all of them, considering... Mm, the riskiest we've seen this yeah. season, I think. Let's start with Parker. Her yeah. reason is it's like an itch. It's really annoying to leave something unfinished. And, like, I would say I agree. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. It depends on the thing. Some things yeah. I'm like, whatever. Some things I'm like, no, that'll annoy me if I don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's very consistent with Parker's characterization. Yes. And I think it's really interesting that she has this sort of, like, need for everything to be completed and, like, finished and stuff. Like, she can't leave something... Half done. Half done. Yeah. I, again, really liked Elliot's point, which was that I will leave this team when I choose to. You will not tell me when I am done here. Yeah. I will choose when I'm done. And I really loved that. I thought it was, first of all, like, very in character for him. But second of all, I appreciated that. I I just really like that kind of idea that he's like, no, 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 like, you you don't get to just decide that this this is done yeah. because I just decided I liked it. <laughs> so I will decide when I don't like it anymore. Especially when you pair that with, again, he's like, I just finally got used to being part of a team. Yeah. Because he is someone who, again, like they all worked alone. Mm-hmm. I think the only one that, no, there's two people that doesn't apply to, and that is Nate and Sophie. Mm. Because they, of course... We knew each other yeah. prior. Yeah. And that's um, Dubinich chose all the other three and Nate says of the three of them, they only ever work alone. Yeah. Which is, yeah. And then you have Hardison, who is just pissed that he had to blow up the offices. I know. He's like, I blew up my second home. And, oh, babe, I love him so much. Oh, also, I love the fact that they put up old Nate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looks right at home. As I said, old Nate is a thing that, like, follows them for a bit. I think we've got about another, I want to say about half a season mm. until we get to the true payoff of old Nate. And I am so <laughs> pumped for that. I can't wait for you to see how old Nate plays into the scheme of things. Because okay. I think it's very fun. I am excited for that. Like, I didn't... I guess I didn't think about, like, Old Nate being more than just, like, a kind of fun visual gag and, like, yeah. a sort of, like, a little nod, I guess, to, like... A and, like, as back. Parker says, hi, I'm Old Nate! Yeah, literally. <laughs> but, yeah, no, the, I think I think it uh, did just start out as a visual gag and then the writers were like, oh, hey, look, we could do something with this. And it's a lot of fun. I can't wait for you to see that because I think you'll think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But, okay, anyway, moving on... I very And then Sophie's re- entire reason is I just hate Sterling. Yeah. Which like babe say. Okay, but I love him. I'm saying, <laughs> but like also like I, I get why they hate him. Like I get why they hate him, but I just If like, I knew Sterling in real life, I would hate him. Mark Shepard. The plays, character is He plays such a good antagonist. It's just like he's so you love him. Because he's just so enjoyable to watch as a performer. His characterization is fantastic. He's funny. He's intimidating. He's an actual genuine threat. He's like, he's smart. Mm-hmm. But you're like, but he's the antagonist. So you don't like him because you're like, you don't want him to win, but you respect yeah. him, I guess, as an antagonist. Yeah, especially considering, like, especially in this, they've set him up as like, he is Nate's equal. Yeah. They're sort of like equal opposites. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I get they literally describe him as evil Nate. It's which almost is, like Sherlock Moriarty type. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really fun because when they know they're going up against Sterling, like in this one here, mm-hmm. what they do is they just because he's Nate's equal, they don't have Nate Planet. Yeah. They have Sophie Planner, or they have Parker Planner, or Elliot, yeah. or Hardison, and which means that Sterling spends his entire time focusing on Nate. what the f- Nate is doing, that yeah. he gets completely blindsided by the plan that he didn't see coming. And I also really love that there is almost like a mutual respect oh, yeah, between the two of them. Like when Sterling realised that he's been played, and how well he's been played, and like he figures out the con that they're running, and how fucked yeah. this Ian guy is. Yeah. I just... Is it Blackpool? Is that... Yeah, yeah. Ian Blackpool, yeah. I... Like, he is so genuinely impressed, and he's, like, grinning, and he's like, you're, like, you guys fucking, you know, you did a good job. And I love that. I think also one of the reasons is... Because they did. They sort of, like, they were like, well, we can't beat both Blackpool and Sterling. Mm. We can beat one, but not the other. Mm -hmm. Like, there is no way for us to beat both of them. So they were like, well, we'll beat... Blackpool, and then Sterling can – Sterling will let Sterling be. Sterling will just be there. Yeah. So they're like, <laughs> we're going to focus on targeting Blackpool and just dealing with Sterling versus targeting both of them and then losing. Yeah. I also think that by targeting Blackpool so successfully and having – like making sure Sterling is there to witness it, yeah. if I was Sterling, I'd be like, I, I ain't crossing you guys. Like I would be like respectfully – no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would just be like, okay, I see you. Uh, we're just, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna keep to my thing. You're gonna keep to your thing. I'm not gonna cross you because I know that. And also, you've offered you me know, a very reasonable deal. Oh, yeah. I get to keep my position. I like, yeah. All I've gotta do is stab this dude in the back. Mm-hmm. I can do that. That's fine. And I adore that he makes the point that he's like, wait, so your plan hinged on me being a self serving utter bastard? And he's like, yeah, that's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's, oh, it's very fun. And I really, really do understand why people say that Crowley and Sterling are like one and the same. Yeah. It, yeah like all of my notes i haven't actually written sterling i've written crowley <laughs> um <laughs> like for example kind of love crowley's maroon shirt like you know it's yeah it's it's very very fun mm. to watch i've missed mark shepherd yeah. i've mitch missed watching him as an actor yeah and this has been very fun for me to get some new mark yeah. shepherd content well there's more coming in leverage yes and he i'm is, very excited he is in the other seasons too. Like he doesn't just mm. drop off the map after season one. Because like, here's the thing: if he did drop off the map after season one, it would make sense. Yeah, he, because like yeah. they're they're done messing with IYS. They yeah, they achieve what they needed to achieve to avenge Nate's son's death or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. he was doing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Also, quick note: is this the longest we've ever seen Nate sober? No. Okay, because I don't think he's sober for a lot of this. Really? I just don't think he's like sloppy drunk for a lot of it. Because but he's he was sober for longer in the twelve step job when he was in rehab because oh, he was I in guess. rehab for like four days or whatever. Okay, because I was gonna say like, this... so if he was sober, we would know that he's so- like you can assume unless they're making a point to say he's sober, he's drunk. Okay, because um, because he's an alcoholic, 
when he stops drinking, mm-hmm. he starts getting withdrawal symptoms. Okay. I wasn't sure if that would be necessarily something that they would continue as, like, like if they would adhere to that strictly. Because, like, TV magic, you know. Um, but, okay, that's good to know. No. So, yeah, unless they make a point of, like, him being sober. He's probably not. He's probably not. Okay. Um, the reason that I thought maybe there he There are was, exceptions that come to mind, but they are within a larger framework of, like... Okay. Um, the reason that I say that is actually because this, as much as I know I said I hated the flashback and I do, this was actually one of the episodes where I was like, oh, I can kind of respect him a little bit. Yeah. And there are two scenes that make me say that. The first being when he finally fucking tells Maggie why he hates IYS so much. Mm -hmm. I'm glad he told her. She deserved to know. And she she should have known the whole fucking time. And her anger is justified like yes absolutely her reaction i think was honestly like she's a good person yeah (laughs) to to not be more mad about the fact that he kept that from her this isn't a spoiler but um parker in a later episode refers to um maggie as she's the most honest person we know but other than that she's okay I love that. Also, there was a moment in the episode where Parker just, like, full-on sniffed Maggie. Yep. And let me tell you, that's so cast-coded. <laughs> Parker is, like, canonically obs- Like, she loves Maggie. Like I love that. Like That makes me very happy. Yeah. Also, there is the start of something in this episode that continues throughout the seasons. Ooh. Nate refers to Maggie as his, his wife. wife. And, and Sophie Sophie's- really quickly corrects him and goes... Ex-wife. Yeah. That continues. Anytime Nate slips up and refers to Maggie as his wife, if Sophie's there or if Maggie's there, they both immediately correct him that she's the ex-wife. Oh, I love that for them. Speaking of Maggie. Yeah. Before... Again, I love her. I love her too. She's... She's... You know how I was saying, like, I love, like, Hardis and Elliot yeah. and uh, Parker are, yeah. like, my top three, um, like, e- equally. Yeah. And then I'm, like, Sophie and then Nate. Yeah. Maggie is now above Sophie. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, you know, sorry, Sophie, but, like, I, I adore her. She's phenomenal. Here's the thing. She gets the benefit because she's going to therapy. Y- you're so right. <laughs> Except she punches that guy at the end, and I love that for her. Yeah. Not that I condone violence, I but I do love that for her. Yeah. Um, no. The before I watched this episode, Jamie repeatedly said to me, I'm so excited for you to watch this episode purely for one scene. I just want you to see there's just one scene that I just really want you to see. And I was so worried that it was gonna be something I was gonna hate. Like I was <laughs> like You thought I was referring to like flashpoint flashback two point one. Or I like, was I was really worried Nate and Sophie were gonna kiss. I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Um, and then I was watching the episode and it got to the point, uh, close to the sort of start where they're like reminiscing on the previous episode and Parker is talking about like the last time they were in the basement and Hudson's like, yeah, can we talk about that? And she's like, talk about what? And I was like, oh, are they going to, no, she was like, yeah, that was fun. Yes. And he's like, so are we going to talk about that? And she goes, talk about what? Exactly. He is talking about the kiss. Yes. She's She's talking talking about about the the heist. Yes, exactly. And I was like, wait, are we going to, are they going to talk about this? Oh my God. Are they going to kiss again? And then I was really excited. And then it wasn't that. No. But. (laughs) um, It's almost as good. But then we get the whole 
Elliot like fake dating Maggie moment and I was like oh this is the scene. and the moment when <laughs> this is the bit and I adored it that whole sequence fucking Elliot is actually so cute he's <laughs> and you have um after the phone call when he's like tying his hair back and he goes what you're fixing your hair and he's like I'm playing the professor fucking Sinclair dude. yeah right right also <laughs> quick note I, I've realized I've started to associate, you know, in a series of unfortunate events, every time Violet puts her hair back, it's like, cause she's thinking and she's like about to like yeah. come up with some crazy invention or whatever. I'm like, now I'm like, Elliot's hair's back. He's acting. Like, <laughs> like every time he has his hair back, I'm like, he's about to be putting on a performance. And it's just, I, I made me laugh. I was like, it's exactly that fucking Violet Baudelaire putting her hair in a little ribbon, <laughs> but it's not, it's Elliot's got his glasses on and he's got his hair back. And he's playing a nerd. And he's being a nerd. And he's so cute. There's one episode where he plays an accountant and it's great. Oh, I love that for him. No, I just, I really adored, I really adored that vibe that he, oh, like, yeah. it was so funny. Nate in the background being so fucking soft. like, I had to ask her out like 10, 10 times. times or whatever. And I was kind of like, bro, maybe you should have taken the fucking hint. But anyway. And, and like, he gets a date immediately. And then yeah, because she asks him. And then they're on the date and, um... Maggie clocks the camera almost immediately. Though I do love um, Parker's, I think it's Parker, and she's like, do do we have to put a camera on Elliot? And Nate's like, safety issue. Yeah, and I fucking love Sophie sitting there just eating gummy bears, just like, oh, yeah, this is a vibe. She's watching it like a fucking soap opera. When Maggie says that Nate was bad in bed, and it shows Sophie, like, paws with gummy bear halfway to her face. (laughs) Oh, it was so funny that whole scenario i was like yes maggie drag him (laughs) and then as soon as she was like he wasn't even good in bed i was like wait she knows what's going on like i was like she this is she's doing this intentionally yeah she's fully messing with them like yeah yeah and then she's like he only ever wanted to talk about ah he was like obsessive controlling and he's like organized she used to say i was organized yeah literally it's so funny i adore Adore her. You're correct. Like I, I love her so much. She's fantastic. Yeah. This is see. This is what I was hoping for last episode. I was hoping that you'd see Maggie and immediately see all her potential. Yeah. But like, this episode, I think, does an incredible she, oh, job. She's really setting Maggie up as like peak character. Like A plus, so good. Yeah. Though, I'm not gonna lie. She does kind of feel like you know how whenever you're watching Supernatural and there's a character who's just like too good for the show. Yeah. And you're like, they're never going to bring this character back again because this character's, like, too good for the show. She kind of feels like that, you know? Like, yeah. it's the same sort of genre of character. Yeah, she's, like, too good. You definitely couldn't have her in more than a handful of episodes yeah. because if you did, she'd immediately solve all the problems and there'd be no plot yeah. left. So <laughs> you kind of – you have to use her sparingly. Yeah. But she's fantastic when she's there. She's, like, she's like just a little bit of seasoning. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh yeah, the food is good. But like, you just add that little extra bit in there and you're like, oh, the food is fucking phenomenal. If I had told you at the end of the pilot episode, right, that one of the fan favorite characters is Nate's ex-wife, would you have believed me? Yeah, because I hate Nate. <laughs> and would you believe that she is this fucking flawless? I would have believed you because anyone who divorced Nate, I would have been like, yeah, fair enough. But... 
I don't think I would have believed she was this fucking good purely because, like, she married Nate at some point. And they do establish in this episode, like, he was significantly different. Like, she's like, you're a different person to who I married. Yeah, but I get the impression that he's kind of gotten better since they got got married. Like, I get the impression that he's now some, like, more likable. He wasn't an alcoholic when they were married. Okay. So the alcoholism's a thing from... Yeah, okay. There are other factors as well, but, like, a big factor for his drinking problem is his son's death. Yeah. Um, And, of course, like, they were broke because of the medical treatment, which they couldn't afford. Yeah. Uh, Their son then died. He then became an alcoholic, obviously left his job because of the fact that like, and again, like I said to you last episode, like, I don't think it's a spoiler, but like, Blackpool himself denied, and this is where we find that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the actress who plays Maggie, her acting when he, when she just goes, he wouldn't, and like her voice cracks, and I'm like, yeah. Ooh, that's the shit that guts you. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, we find out. So he left his job, so he was very much broken that, and it's only like recently that he's no longer like, a broke, depressed alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Now he is a alcoholic who's high functioning with a purpose. Yeah. So look, so, that that is an improvement, I suppose. But he, yeah, he he previously, based on the characterization that they've given him, he was previously very much like someone who believed in justice and order and he following seems, the rules and that sort of stuff. He seems like he would have had like a starched white collar kind of thing. Yeah. Oh. One very quick note I had. Okay. Yep. This is not like a discussion point no. or anything. But when um, Ian, uh, when Blackpool yep. announces that Sterling is going to be the uh, vice president. Yeah. And they're like in the board meeting or whatever. And he does the PowerPoint presentation. He's like, ensure and secure. And I was like, damn, I love that slogan. <laughs> it was so funny with like the like arrows and whatever. I was like, this is excellent. This is iconic. And I love how it's intercut with, like, four of the world's best thieves casing the joint. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, just very And fun. then you go and you see the, the scene in um, Sterling's office mm-hmm. with Nate. And Nate is drunk. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's actually that drunk. I think he's play acting as more drunk than he is. Yeah. To get them a little off guard. Oh, sorry. Very, very quickly. I realised I didn't talk about the second scene where I liked Nate. Yeah. The second scene is after they have pulled off the job and he's sitting on the like couch talking to Maggie yeah. right before they return the art. Where they reveal actually how they did it, which is really fun. Yeah. Because again, this is another case of Leverage really likes to like scatter in details that seem just like throw away like they needed something to fill yeah. time. But like no, because like you hear her talking about the bench design yeah. earlier, and that's actually part of the con they run on the curator. Yeah. Where the, she's like, oh well no, you turned off on the bench design yeah. earlier, yeah. five minutes ago. He didn't. Yeah. I And the benches are the key mm-hmm. to stealing all the art. Exactly. And so I just that part where they're sitting on the couch, yeah. I was like, oh, I kind of like Nate here. And yeah. like when that conversation that they were having felt very open and genuine and like almost healing in a way yeah. and that was the point where i was like is he has he not been drunk this episode like i remember yeah. the very start of course yeah but i was like for the duration of this con yeah since that point, i would say he's been drinking the entire episode but i don't think he's been drunk drunk, drunk the entire okay. episode if that makes sense like yeah you can pretty well always assume that he's drinking because yeah he is an alcoholic and they do typically make a point of it if he's yeah. not drinking yeah but like 
generally speaking, like he's normally just operating at like a base level mm-hmm. of drinking versus yeah. like he's there are sometimes where he's like drunk, drunk, which is like at the start of last episode where they're revealing the plan to con in yeah. led by Sophie and he walks in and he's like fully trashed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to take over your point. I just no. realised I never actually finished my <laughs> my thought. So, carry on. I don't even remember what my point was. I do want to talk about the bit where Maggie's like, um, you know, yeah, just forget my ex-husband's voice in my ear. Like, I'm in therapy yeah. to solve this problem. And then, like, they're like, let's let Sophie run this one. And then he immediately goes to like ask really sort of like personal invasive yeah. talking questions about like oh you're in therapy and all and Hardison's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you off right here yeah I'm, I'm gonna stop you yeah I I'm so glad that he did because Nate what the fuck like I just I can't do it however I did love that whole scene where Sophie's running it I loved, I loved you grift and you con I literally love the part where, um... Oh, so you grift and you learn. Yeah, you learn and you can't is the yeah, quote because yeah. I wrote it down. Yeah. I fucking adore that. I thought it was so funny. I love... And Christian Kane's delivery of it. Yeah, it's perfect. And, yeah, it's so funny. And what's hilarious is I've been feeling like I'm learning the whole time. Like, every time Sophie gives advice, I'm like, oh, that's helpful. Yeah. Like, the part where... I mean, not that I make a habit of lying to people, but when... She's saying to Maggie, like, oh, approach him, like, like jog to yeah. him so that if you're a bit out of breath, it, like, hides the fact that you might be lying. I was like, that's fucking genius! And also, like, narratively, it makes a lot of sense because if he left the phone in the office... Yeah. And she was trying to get it back to him and she might have just spotted him and, like, jogged across. Like, it's not yeah, weird to for her running. to be jogging in that situation. Yeah. Like, I was like, you're a fucking genius. So I just... Speaking mm. of running in this episode... The moment where Sophie's running from the guards and she, like, takes off her heels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they know. Like, heels are, like, Sophie's weapon of choice because she's a grifter. She doesn't typically have to run away from people. Mm-hmm. But it's really fun to watch her, like, realise that heels were a bad choice when she has to start running. Yeah. Oh, also, I just very quickly, D.E.D. dead is a leverage joke? Yeah. I did not know that. I knew the joke. For, I've known the joke for ages, but I didn't know it was from Leverage. I don't know if it specifically originated in Leverage. It might actually be interesting to look up the origins yeah. of the <laughs> D.E.D. dead joke. Because we, we must have known it from somewhere else. I'm assuming probably like a social media post somewhere, but... The fact that like all three of us have like known it and referenced it before while none of us have watched the show. Oh, no. Yeah, that's... It's been cited early, like earlier than like in the 1990s it's an old message board joke oh. which would make sense why Hardison makes it because he's been on the internet message boards yeah as a hacker yep no that is that makes a lot more sense then I also love that he's reading Maggie's emails like I don't love that yeah. but I do think it's funny <laughs> I think it's really funny that like she's like you're not reading my emails are you he's and like, no. no. And then he's, like, nodding at Nate. <laughs> Don't worry. I do want to make a pick, quick point that Maggie is, like, really good at this. Like, she learns so quickly. Like, she is conning them, like, so fucking well. I love the part where she's like, you can't just make people do what you want. And they're all like, that's literally our entire profession. And Parker's like, they're there. And she's, like, patting her head. You're adorable. Yeah. 
I do feel bad for the museum director. Yes, I feel very bad for the director of the museum. Because he literally seems so nice. And they're just, like, messing with him. Absolutely gaslighting him the whole time. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Also, how much damage would have occurred to that mummy when they just let it fall on the fucking floor? My, like, academic heart was, like, breaking. I'm like... Right? Right. I was like, I was like, they opened it. I was like, oh, a mummy. And then it fell and I was like... (gasps) (laughs) But also, not just a mummy. Like, that was a person. Yeah. Yeah. Disrespectful, for one thing. Incredibly disrespectful. mm. And, like, I get it. They thought that they had already, like, moved the mummy out of the sarcophagus and, like... Did they? No, they they thought. Sterling's entire thing is they think... He thinks that they've basically... Oh, there's a person in there. Yeah, Yeah. they removed the mummy so that a person can hide in the sarcophagus. Yeah. Uh, Which is not the case. Yeah. They just put it there so that there's an excuse for the unknown gas... Yeah. To come through the ventilation. Uh-huh. And also, like, they've conveniently placed it so that the hole for, like, in the ceiling for the benches mm-hmm. is hidden behind the sarcophagus case. Yeah. Like, the big crate, not just the sarcophagus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he completely misses that, and they just drop a mummy, which is, like, really disrespectful as hell, and, like... Yeah. Also, I wanted to touch on this because... I don't think they actually used this in the episode. And I was surprised. The whole, like, plot of the first episode was basically making sure that both of the Davids were fake. Yeah. And then that isn't even part of no. this episode at all. Like, they first of all, they stole everything except the Davids, which I think is hilarious. But then... When... And that's kind of the point. They, they were so focused on, oh, they're going to try and steal the Davids. They didn't even think of the $150 million worth of other valuable art in the gallery. Exactly. And then there was the part where Parker was putting all of the Davids in people's backpacks. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, that's genius. Because even if they confiscate all of them, they will never find the real ones because all of them are fake. It's like, I assumed... That it was basically a way for them to get the fake Davids out. And then, like, because no one would ever be able to inspect the quote-unquote real Davids because they would never find them. Because all of the fake ones that they confiscated would be exactly the same as the yeah. quote-unquote real ones. I don't know if I'm explaining this very well. But basically my point is I thought they were just going to pass them into the crowd because the real ones were never in the case in the first place. Yeah. Right? And then it just... it. It was a diversion. It was a distraction. It was to throw Sterling off the scent. Yeah, which means that the fake ones are still thought to be real and are still just in the museum, right? Oh, no, they're the real Davids in the museum. What? In the case, in the museum. No, they're not. Because the whole point of the last episode was that one... No. So, okay, let's, let's recap the last episode, right? So you've got two Davids. Yeah. Blackpool starts with one. Yeah. Sophie starts with the other. Yeah. The team doesn't know Sophie has the other. Yeah. They all know that Blackpool has the one. So the plan is to sell Blackpool a fake David. Yeah. So that when it's revealed that it's fake, they had to have to like order everything that he's ever bought or sold in terms of art. Yeah, but because it's revealed that a piece of his collection is fake, and then Sophie, who has the other real David, decides I want to have. Both of the Davids at once. It hasn't been done in the last 400 years. I want to steal both the Davids at the same time so that I have both of them. Yeah. So what they realise is when Maggie comes on as the art inspector, she will not be fooled by a fake David. She won't 
fall for a forgery. She's mm. too smart. She's too experienced. So what they have to do is Parker breaks into the museum and steals the real David and swaps it out with the fake. Yeah. So now Blackpool's got a fake. Yeah. And the Leverage crew has the two real Davids. Yeah. They then sell the one they stole from Blackpool back to Blackpool. So he now has one of the real Davids. Yeah. Right? Parker goes to steal the real David back. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's caught by Sterling in the process. Oh. So Blackpool still has the real David. But he only has one. But he only has one. Yeah. And then Sterling realises that it's Sophie who was hanging around the Vatican when the last Mm. David was stolen, like the second David was stolen. Oh, that's right. And they tried it. All the years again. And then she oh, is forced to give the real David to... I just to... fucking forgot the entire plot of the last episode is what happened. Yeah. I was sitting there like, but both of the Davids he has a fake. No. That was the plan. If their mm-hmm. plan had gone correctly, both of his Davids would have been fake. Never But mind. because they got caught, they got both I did real a, Davids. I did a Jamie and I completely scrubbed my brain of whatever happened in the last episode of Leverage, so... But no, so yeah, so no, they are the two real Davids. Gotcha. And yeah, the whole idea is, okay, he's still got the two real Davids, but because of this shit that happened and because he ignored that, like, there was a threat of someone get it, like, robbing the museum, because he was basically so much like, oh, I want Nate to be caught in the act and not just, like, because, like, he could have been charged by police for threatening to rob the museum. Like, if they had any yeah. evidence that he was planning on doing it conspiracy to commit robbery is an actual charge they could have leveled against him. Yeah. Now, basically, all of the shareholders who had art in that gallery can sue the shit out of Ian Black. Yeah. No, I've got it. I just, and so I he'll was... probably lose the two Davids anyway because he'll have to sell them to be able to pay yeah. for... Yeah. No, no, no. no. I, I, got all, I got all of that. I just forgot that he had the actual real ones. I thought that he had the fake ones. Um. Also, completely changing the topic, those fucking coughing and spluttering from that fucking the curator, or, yeah. it's really triggering a fight or flight response for me I, like I know that it's a television show and I know that it's from like you know two decades almost before COVID but it really stresses me out I'm like put on a fucking mask and go home yeah like no matter how sure you are that it's just allergies because, like, it really is allergies near the end. They I know. Swap, swap his medication out with, like, mostly ragweed. Which, like, it makes sense. And, like, they don't... I find typically they don't normally do that sort of shit to, like, just civilians who happen to be there. Mm. Like, this is one of the few occasions where I can think of where they... They do really mess with somebody who's not who they're trying to con. Yeah. Well, didn't like, they give someone caffeine instead of anxiety medica- medication at one point? Oh, it, like, had caffeine oh, and cocaine? Oh, yeah. But that was um that was the Friday dude who was like yeah yeah he was in a fucking asshole that dude yeah uh he he's the one who has the quote um whenever people say controversy I just hear attention mm. like, ooh <laughs> but no so so yeah so like they do it occasionally but like this is one of the few instances where I can think of like where they do it to somebody who is not the mark. Yeah. Like, generally speaking, like, they might mess with people a little bit, but, like, they don't mess with people, you know? Like... Yeah. You're not messing with their health. No. Yeah. Oh, this is unrelated. I really love Maggie's dress at the end, in the, like, at the at the very end. No, Maggie's entire wardrobe is just like, ooh, did you see the parallels in this episode? Which, considering you completely forgot last episode, maybe not. Um, parallels to what? The previous episode. Oh. <laughs> and, like, the pilot and that. 
The pilot, yeah, I noticed yeah. a couple because it's like the book ending. It's like at the, yeah. the end they did the aerial shot of them all walking their separate ways yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like those ones. Basic parallels. I, pretty standard for leverage. Yeah, I've genuinely forgotten what happened last episode. So, I've just discovered this. <laughs> previous episode starts with Nate threatening, St- uh, not Sterling, Blackpool with a gun. Oh, This yeah. episode starts with Blackpool threatening Nate, Nate with a gun. Yeah, and I was very confused. Yeah. And also <laughs> there's a lot of parallels of whoever's... So there's this thing they do with Nate and Sterling mm-hmm. where sort of whoever takes a drink and hands the glass to the other person is, like, in control. Oh, that's that interesting. Sense. So in the two-horse job at the end, mm-hmm. you see Sterling hand the glass to Nate. Yeah. Uh, in the 12-step job, you see Sterling has the glass when he's tormenting Nate in his imagination. Mm. And then also in last episode, when Sterling's caught them all, he hands Nate the glass of whiskey. That's really interesting. Yeah. What a fun little thing. It's a little thing. And then, of course, at the device. start of this episode, you have Nate drinking at a nice wet bar, by the way, mm-hmm. and then he hands Sterling the glass. Huh. That's a very conscious. Yeah. Look at that. Parallels. That's cool. I'm going to be looking for that now. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's very fun. I think, I think you're very much used to, like, supernatural parallels, which is, like, I'm hitting you with a bat that is this parallel. I mean, not all the time. Like, the narrative, like, the story parallels tend to be a bit yeah. in your face. But there are a lot of, like, more subtle, subtle ones, ones yeah. that I tend not to bring up a lot of the time, actually, with you. Because I assume you probably haven't seen them. Uh, I, yeah, I think I think that's a really fun, like, little tidbit to watch out for that, like... Yeah. It's 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 about the power balance between Nate and Sterling because they are they are equals in pretty well every way. So you It's a bit of a seesaw really. Yeah, you can sort of see who's in control in the episode based on who's sort of, you know, passing them a drink. Huh. Interesting. Now, there are other parallels in this, but I doubt you would have noticed them, so I'm not going to go through them all. I mean, you can if you like. Cuz like that's an interesting one. Like I will look for that now. Mm. In like next season and, and carrying on. Also, um, I don't know if this is spoilery or if you can yep. tell me. Is Sterling in the reboot? There is no reason for Sterling to not be in the reboot. Okay. But he hasn't appeared in an episode so far. Okay. So kind of vaguely spoilery, but like Sterling doesn't die at any point in this. Like there's no reason for him to not is there's nothing necessarily preventing, preventing him, from him showing from, up other yeah. than like real life actor circumstances. Yeah, yeah okay. But uh, there are there are other characters from the like recurring characters that do make appearances in the reboot. Cool. That I'm very excited for you to see because I think it's very very fun, and I can't wait for you to see them in the reboot. But that's again quite a bit away because we're yeah we're we're getting there. We're one season in. Oh, I did want to talk about the the really panicked lady in the gas scene. Oh yeah, and he's like, "It's standard pro- protocol for like a chemical attack," and she's like, "This is a chemical attack." He's like, "No, it's not a chemical. It's a robber. It's a robber." It's like, <laughs> wow, a plus job not making people fucking panic, mate. I like, know. It was very fun. I oh, I had a question actually about the like security things that yeah. they install, like. They've already installed part of it when the director learns about it. And I'm kind of like, surely that is something that you would have had to have approved. 
before you fucking installed it. I think the point is kind of though that they're just like sort of trampling all over the museum and like because they are the reason that all that art is there, like all of the art in that gallery is there because Ian Blackpool organised for that art to be in the gallery. Like it's all either his or like the clients of IWS who he's convinced to put as part of their like so he's just sort of like, well, it's my gallery, my name's on it, all the art's here because of me. So, so he's just... Yes. Because I was, like, watching that, and I was like, how the fuck, like, how does the director of the museum not know when, like, new security, when security measures are being changed? Yeah. Like, that's not a minor thing. And it's like, you can't have, you can't, like, having one particular security team in charge of just one wing of the museum and having a different security yeah. team being in charge of the rest of the museum... That's so, like, it's silly because it's not cohesive. And so, anyway, I just thought it was, like, a weird, like, I get the idea of him basically being, like, he's so powerful or whatever, no one can touch him so he can do what he wants. But I also was just, like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) This is just asking for, like, shit to get missed because there was a miscommunication between the two security teams. Like, yeah. But also, like, he's not just, like, changing the, like, people who are working security. He's making, like pretty significant physical changes to the fucking building. Yeah. Like, that's no small feat. And also, I want to know what kind of fucking construction crew they had set that up in that much, like, or that little time. Because that's a significant amount of work. And they did it in, like, what, the span of apparently 24 hours? Like, maybe 48, 72 at a month. I think, I think it, yeah, like, three days or so. Yeah. Roughly. That's ridiculous, Because they man. say it's the last week. Like, they're, they're shown installing it. Just after they've cased the mm. gallery, mm-hmm. and they were it's it was last week before the museum opened. So between yeah. casing and opening day, which is where all of this goes down on, is a week. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, so might like be, might be eight days, might be six. It's about a week. Yeah. I so was yeah, it's their like, efficiency. Yeah, it's like three. It was probably like three, four days, maybe. Because mm. you got to remember, you got to order all the supplies and shit as well. Yeah, and like you like. I don't know about you, but I find that, like, whenever... Like, you know how when there's going to be, like, roadworks or something and the council, like, puts a little letter in your box, it's like, oh, like, blah, 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 from, from, like, June 30 and, like, you know, August 10 or whatever, and I'm like, (laughs) try June 30 and December 12. Like, it's never done. It's still Christmas and the roadworks are fucking happening. Exactly. And, like, it's never done within the space of time that they tell you. I guess that's also, like, the thing of, like, money. Mm. Oh, actually, that's a good point, yeah. Money does make the world go around, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Though, there is one scene that I think we have woefully neglected. Oh. Which is right at the beginning of the heist, where Sterling's walking around like, ah, yes, I'm going to send them here. And he's like, uh, you know, like, Elliot's wanted, Spencer's wanted in Myanmar. And oh, yeah, 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 And then yeah, you've yeah. got, like, them in the background and, like... Yeah, doing all the bits. like, dude, you... Yeah. Again, this is like that he's so hyper focused on Nate mm-hmm. that he's not actually really looking out for the other. Yeah, actually, I was team surprised members. by that because he made like he made a point of saying that like he has pictures of all of them given to like yeah. personnel or whatever, and I was like, but they're just in your building, yeah, and like they spot Nate like immediately whenever he shows up. But I was like, how do you miss because the he other comes four? in through the front door? I mean, but surely so does Sophie. Yeah, but you can't recognize Sophie when she's acting. I mean, you can still see her fucking face, even through that dumb hat. Like, (laughs) I just, 
I don't know, man. I was surprised that they made a point of saying that he had given like yeah. pictures to all the security and they still But again, this might just all. simply be a case of um there's two security teams. Mm. So if it's only been given to his security team and not the museum security team. Yeah. Because he doesn't actually have authority over the other security team. I I think that the person who if I was if I was in the museum, the person that I would be the least likely to assume was there for any nefarious like means, or the person I would be most likely to be like, oh yeah, whatever, and let them through, mm-hmm. would have to be Harson. Mm-hmm. Have you seen? They're like, um, there's, a, I, I don't know if it's on YouTube or TikTok, but there's this guy who just he just carries around a ladder and he wears a high vis vest and a hard hat, yeah. and he just sees where he can get into. Yeah. This man has just fully gone into cinemas, watched entire movies, and just left. That's basically, like, Hardison's entire shtick. Like, if he wants to get in someone, he's pretending to be the maintenance dude. Yeah. And I'm like, it makes sense. Like, if I saw someone in high vis with a hard hat and they were like, oh, I'm here to check whatever. Like, at work or whatever, I would check with my manager and be yeah. like, hey, are we expecting someone to, like, yeah. be here for that? But if I was, like, I don't know, if I was working, like, if I was just walking around and I saw someone in a, in a different building that I didn't work at, I would yeah. just be like, I would assume they were supposed to be there. Like, <laughs> why else would they bother carrying a ladder around everywhere? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, why would you wear it? It's so funny because it goes against, you would think that if you saw someone like, or you would think that if someone was trying to sneak in somewhere, they would wear something like inconspicuous, inconspicuous. Yeah. but they go the complete opposite route. And because they're like clearly drawing attention to themselves with like a massive prop and a high vis, you assume that they could not be trying to sneak in Because that would be dumb. It's so against. you you're your base too instinct. much, like, yeah. attention to yourself. Like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean... Why I would guess, you do that if you're not trying to be noticed? In, like, in saying that, I wonder if that's part of... Because before I was saying about Sophie drawing more attention with the phone call. Yeah. In part, I wonder if, like, that is sort of yeah. the theory. I, I feel like it's less applicable in that yeah. circumstance. But I guess that could, I suppose, be one interpretation of it. But, I, uh, yeah, it's a... Uh... It's 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 a really fun to watch them like and how they do get into places because like yeah. yeah a lot of the time I also I really love Hardison because he very much leans on like stereotypes mm. and he sort of he pulls this thing a lot of like oh well because I'm black and you're assuming that I'm yeah a maintenance man that's fucking racist yeah like it's not he's pretending to be a maintenance man like they are just like getting confused because it is the but. He he flips the script and really like leans into that whole like I can weaponize this against you, which yeah. is really fun. I think I I know that you said like when we first started watching the show, you told me like that they really make every con so that it is possible, like it yeah. is feasible. Yeah, and I appreciate that a lot because one thing that I've noticed watching these episodes is I'm never disappointed in the like scheme yeah the scheme is always excellent yeah it's like i've i've been really disappointed before with like movies or tv shows where i'm like it's just like one thing that really pisses me off it's just it's just a pet peeve of mine and this is not necessarily to say that this is something that's bad or wrong it's just for me personally it annoys me is a lot of modern, like, movies where they have, like, heists or they have, like, whatever. Oh, like the Oceans films. Yes. Like 8 or 11 the, or 12 or The then. one, which is the most recent one that came out where they had an all-female cast? Oh, uh, Oceans 8. Oceans 8. Mm. I was so excited for that movie. Yep. I was so Stella excited. Stella cast, 
Like, and I ended up being really frustrated by it because so much of the actual, like, heist plan yeah. was just the hacker. Yeah. And I was like, it's not enjoyable to watch someone just type yeah. stuff. Like, and it's also not... Like, you can achieve a lot through yeah. hacking, I'm sure. But it's just not... It's not enjoyable. It's not... And it's not clever in the same way because yeah. you can just be like, oh, they hacked it. Yeah. And it's like, what does that even mean? Like, what does that even... Like, I like that in Leverage, everything is clever and, like, there's an element of hacking, but it's always a smaller part of a bigger machine. Yeah. And it's never like, oh, we solved the entire problem by hacking. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, we hacked this part of this camera. Like, we hacked yeah. this security camera and made it do this and that is how everything else was possible. Yeah. Like, I just appreciate that they don't just default to, oh, we just use technology yeah. and we assume our audience is too dumb to understand whether or not it's actually possible to do that. Mm. Um, that said, Hardison does shit tons for this team. Like, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Not to minimize the work he does. He does an incredible amount um, of very important work. They'd be stuffed without him, as we've seen. Yeah. But I just wanted to make a point that I do really appreciate that they don't just rely entirely on, oh, well, we'll just say the computer did it. Yeah. You know? No, it's, yeah, it's very fun. There is a lot of, like, practical, like, it's a big practical sort of element they do with yeah. a lot of these cons and leverage. Mm-hmm. Especially considering, like, they literally have Parker. And, like, the whole point of Parker is she does everything practically. Like, she just, yeah. like, yeah. you know, which is a lot of fun. And I, I love that for her. She is a she's a queen, you know? Mm. Oh, I also, this is irrelevant to what we were just talking about, but I didn't realise there was so much time between the two episodes. Yeah. It's like three months, I think they say. Uh-huh. It's a huge amount of time. Yeah. I didn't realise. I was confused, actually. Yes. Big, big time jumps. They do that. Actually, it's pretty common between seasons to have, like, decently long time jumps mm. between, like, the end of the season and the start of the next one. Because nine times out of ten, just by the nature of it, their, like, season finale, high school, con or whatever, is big. Like, it's yeah. bigger than all the others. So they have to sort of, like, step away mm. for the heat to die down before they before they can sort of move on from that and, like, yeah. regain their sort of under-the-radar sort of, yeah na- like, nature that they kind of require to be able to do what they do. So, yeah, that's not uncommon. I think this is one of the few times they do it between, like, episodes and not between seasons, but... Yeah, because having it between episodes was, like, not... Not necessarily, like, a bad thing, but it was... it did throw me a little bit. Mm. I wasn't expecting it, especially because I didn't remember what fucking happened. Like... <laughs> Um, of the like the two season finale episodes for this first season, the second is definitely the stronger by a long shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I I can kind of see why like you would have forgotten a chunk of the last episode because a a lot so of much shit happens, happens and b it's just like it it doesn't hit the same way this one does. I think having Maggie really on board for a lot of the con yeah just gives like a different like dynamic again yeah and also i really enjoy like normally i get really annoyed with like sophie and nate having that whole little thing having maggie there really breaks that up a lot yeah and i like that yeah like that is refreshing and we're starting to see it the thing that you wanted to see and that you were terrified was not going to happen nate and Sophie and Maggie and mm. Sophie and Maggie are no longer – they're not, like, fighting overnight. Yeah. They're starting to become friends. Yeah, and I love that for them because, honestly, 
I think it would be really funny if Sophie and Maggie became a thing. I just think that would be so funny. I'm not going to lie. That is a ship within the fandom. I just think it's it not, would be so fun. I don't think it's a spoiler to say it's not canonical. Oh, yeah. Like, I, this is not something that I was like, I, I'm not looking at them being like again, narratively. This was made in like I just think it would be funny for me personally. This was made in 2008 and like... It's not like Supernatural... Like, this is what gets me. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, it was a different time back when Supernatural was made. I was like, yeah, but Leverage was made at the same time for a similar demographic. And I can't think of a single episode where I'm like, oh, wow, that entire episode was homophobic. Like, I think... Not the same way that you can with sort of Supernatural. It's... Yeah, and again, not to defend it, but I don't think you can... I don't think you can actually compare the two like that. Yes, but I'm just saying, like, one of the reasons why I'm so surprised, like, I'm, I'm always, like, caught off guard by just how blatant some of the homophobia is in Supernatural. I think... is because I know they're similar time periods. I think what and you're I'm like, forgetting oh, wow. yeah. is that I think Supernatural is not actually the standout one here. Leverage is. Leverage is the one that's not homophobic, and that's surprising, for the time. Yeah. Supernatural was no worse than a lot of other shows airing at the same time. Leverage is the exception, not the other way around. And again, I'm not trying to defend it, but I do think that I do think that that's worth taking into account. Yeah. Like leverage is the exception that did better. You can compare the two in a lot of ways. Mm. I don't think you can compare the two in that regard. Okay, I think we've sort of run out of stuff to talk about about this episode. <laughs> Surprising, I thought we were going to be here for longer, but you're, 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 you're doing this thing, it. you're loving it, I'm hoping, <laughs> which, which brings us to the end of the episode. Beth, what will you rate this episode out of five? I am going to give it a three and a half. Yeah. I, I liked it. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff that was really fun and really genuine. There were like laugh out loud moments. I really liked a lot of the characterization. I loved Maggie. Um... I thought it was like really, really fun a lot of the time, but just the the ending I really didn't love. Yeah, I felt it felt both anticlimactic and unsatisfactory mm-hmm. to me, um, and I also didn't like it. Kind of set up season two, I guess, but only in the sense of like, well, I know they're gonna reunite yeah. because that's fucking obviously what's gonna happen. So I just didn't feel like it was that strong of an ending for the season. Like there was nothing about it that made me want to be like, oh my god, what's going to happen next season? Or like, like I want to come Again, back. Again, that's the whole lack of a cliffhanger effect. Yeah. Like, because it's sort of like they're at peace, they're moving on. Like they're sad that this portion of their lives is ending, but also like it's logistically the right thing to do. It doesn't it, mean they have to like it, but like to me, it kind of felt like a half-assed cliffhanger. Mm. Like it didn't feel like not a cliffhanger because they left it unsatisfactory. Mm. But it also wasn't a cliffhanger in the sense of there was actually any urgency to it. So it felt just kind of like, eh, to me. That's just my personal opinion. I can understand how you can see it as like a bittersweet, like happy, like a bittersweet ending that would be like narratively satisfying. I can understand how you see it that way. But personally, it's just not what I like. Um, Is that because they didn't kill anyone off with the rebar? (laughs) Haha, very funny. You know I hated that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I don't know. For me, I didn't love it. Um... And also just the fucking flashback scene. I can't stand it. It's horrible. It's atrocious. Every so, time they use it, you dock like a solid point off. Yeah. So like, all up, all up, I'm giving it a 3.5. It loses a whole mark just for the flashback. And then it loses yeah. the other 0.5 for an unsatisfactory kind of half-assed ending. Um, but the rest of the episode was super strong. Like, as much as I didn't like those two components, everything else about it I loved. Yeah. So it's just, it's a testament to how much I disliked those two things. If you just crop out, like, the flashback scene and the ending. Immediately four and a half like immediately like and that half a mark would be like i don't know you gotta leave space to go somewhere yeah you know so 
Honestly, like, if it wasn't for how much I hate that fucking flashback, then this would have been easy, a four and a half star yeah. episode, even with the ending as it was. Yeah. It's just that I really hate it. <laughs> oh, no, that is valid. I don't think I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's liked the flashback. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they made some choices there. Mm. To be fair, though, coming to the end of the season, I will say my biggest complaint for the whole season is that flashback yeah. montage. So I think that's a fairly, like, if that's my biggest complaint, yeah, you know, I feel like that says a, yeah. a lot about how the rest of the show is actually quite good. It's pretty It's solid. just that yeah. I fucking hate that bit. And Nate's stupid hats. And his bad accents. Oh, I just don't like Nate. If they removed Nate from this show, <laughs> immediately every episode would be better. <laughs> okay, the next episode is... The premiere of season two. It's called Ooh. The Bean Town Bailout Job. I love that name. It's what do you think it's going to be about based on the name? Bean Town. Um, it sounds like it sounds like a location in Shane Madey's Hot Dogger. Um, <laughs> Bean Town Bailout. I reckon it is going to be set in a baked bean factory. Okay. Yep. And there is going to be some kind of oh okay. Someone in the bean company. Yeah. Right? The hot ugh, the hot bean? The baked bean company. Yeah. Uh, is using some kind of like preservative or like some kind of like canning method oh, that so is, like, this is like not food, food health safe. safety yeah. violations. Yeah, them. and they're like risking people's life. There's yeah. gonna be like an anaerobic, you know, bacteria that's gonna be in their cans and it's gonna kill people. With like, and they're like, "Fuck a recall." We're just gonna like. I reckon they're gonna like pretend it's not us. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay, yes. No, I think they're gonna give everyone botulism. Okay. <laughs> you googled the word botulism. No, well, I was ninety nine percent sure it was botulism, but I didn't want to sound like a fucking idiot. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, microbiology is 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 uh, doing me well. No, I think that it's gonna be like, yeah, there's something. Actual in the food, food nutrition student Bethany. Yeah, so I needed to make sure I didn't sound like a fucking moron. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like maybe they're going to give people botulism and then they're going to be like, we didn't do it. And they're going to be like, yes, you did. And then they're going to take them down to Bean Town. Okay, yeah. Is, is that it? <laughs> yeah. Is that your entire plot of an episode? I think so, yeah. Thank you so much to listening to us ramble on for like an hour about our feelings about this episode of Leverage. If you want to interact with Beth at all, you can find her on our Twitter at ThiefStillsPod. And she really loves the idea of Maggie and Sophie. So, like, no spoilers for her. But if you have, like, an AU fic that's yes. send it through to her. I love that. Because I would love that. And also they would be the perfect chaos duo. Yeah. Because Maggie can verify the art. Yeah. And then Sophie can steal it. Yeah. I fucking adore that. Okay. <laughs> Oh no. What? I just, I was like, what would their ship name be? And my immediate thought was Saggy. <laughs> Saggy cannot be their ship name. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Ooh, I'll compose myself. And if you want to interact with Jamie, you can always find her over on our Tumblr at Thief Steals the Podcast. Um, and I think it would be super duper fun 
uh, to send her any and all of your favourite Sophie or Maggie correcting Nate for saying wife <laughs> moments. I think that would be really fun. If you know of like a fan video, there's like a montage or like, you a know. A gift set of all A gift them. set. Yeah, that would be amazing. I feel like you should send that her way. I'm sure she would thoroughly enjoy it. Absolutely. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye. Bye.